going on, everybody? This is SecDevOps.ai. Yes, sir. Welcome back, back to the show. In effect. Yes, sir. What we, are we talking about today? We are talking about something that is really buzzy, yep. uh, very exciting. We're talking about MITRE attack framework. Right, and it, it's not like an overnight success either. It's been around for a minute. Yes. We talked about MITRE attack years ago. Like 2015-ish. Yeah, like 2015, around that area. Mm-hmm. When I first saw it, I immediately wrote out to one of the people that kind of led it. I can't remember exactly who it was, but I said, this is one of the best things I've ever seen. <laughs> like, their wiki page, even like today, is like astounding. It's amazing right. research. Huge. So many resources, and it's just growing yep. more and more every week, month, and year. Yep. So one of the things that we were talking about previously was what is MITRE ATT&CK framework and what is it not? We yep. have our screen shared here, but we're still going to talk about and talk through these things for anyone just doing audio only. Um, but let's talk about what exactly is MITRE ATT&CK framework, uh, what it means to both of us. Yep. And uh, we could talk about some of the background, the techniques, yep. and some of the other goodies there. Awesome. Let's do it. Yes. So one one of the things uh, that I when I describe MITRE ATT&CK to people is it's a touchstone for operations. Because if you're using something and you're not operationalizing in some way for your security program, then you're, you're kind of missing the bill. So MITRE ATT&CK is the almost like a visualization or a framework for attack chains and attack vectors that people can refer to. Uh, across the the entire, well, I wouldn't say the entire spectrum, for the majority of the spectrum for uh, different operating systems. Right, and that's a great that's a great overview and like kind of high level yep. uh, description of it. One of the things that you know I think MITRE ATT&CK framework is not is a checklist that you can go through to right. guarantee that oh I'm protected against this adversary yep. or these sets of TTPs. Right. I think it's more along the lines of what you described. It's a framework. It's something yep. that you can leverage and use towards your operations. Yep, absolutely. And it, it's not, it doesn't cover everything. It, it's not holistic. This is not every single attack. And, and I don't think even MITRE would even say that it, that it, it covers that. Yeah. They know it's a, a best effort for what they're doing. Uh, and they're just trying to put it out there in a way that people can utilize it. Mm-hmm. Great. So then let's jump right into kind of uh, browsing through this page. Uh, when we scroll down here, we see the, uh, the the actual matrix for MITRE ATT&CK. Yep. And there's quite a bit. Uh, one of the things that I like to look at when I look at the ATT&CK matrix or anything related to Kill Chain is kind of looking at it from start to finish. Mm-hmm. MITRE ATT&CK is broken out in that way where it starts with initial access. Mm-hmm goes through like what an attacker would do next yep. after initial access they're going to do some type of execution look for persistence all the way to exfiltrate exfiltrate data back out yep. of the network right ongoing missions and whatnot yep and uh, and also impact uh the thing to to keep in mind with miter attack is that Attacks aren't necessarily always linear, but it's a good way to kind of look at your uh, security stack, look at your security posture for how an attack might happen. And then also that you might find underneath each each of these uh, categories, you'll find repeats, right? So like something like PowerShell might be underneath execution or it could be under, you know, an initial access for some reason. Uh, it, 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 It just varies. 
Yeah, that's a great point. And so let's go ahead and take a look for PowerShell. Okay. Uh, like you were saying, it, could, it might be under multiple places because it could be uh, different parts of a kill chain. So I'm going to scroll down. Let me know if you see it before I do. Uh, yep, PowerShell right there. Perfect. Let's uh, go ahead and jump into it. Okay, so what are we seeing right here? Yeah, so this is just an overview of, of PowerShell, what it is, uh, how it's used in normal ways. Uh, if you get further down, you start to get into the examples and how different uh, APTs are using uh, PowerShell. Uh, I should probably uh, clarify one thing. When I, I said PowerShell for initial access, is that it, it can be a part of the initial access uh, kill chain by way of macros. So PowerShell, what makes it so powerful is that it executes uh, in memory. And so like this is where you get those fileless attacks that mm -hmm. happen because they don't have to write to disk. Uh, so like when you have macros, macros can actually invoke PowerShell and, and, and sort of launch sort of that attack chain uh, through there. So you have a lot of APTs that are using PowerShell, especially in those Windows heavy environments. Right. It's, it's bread and butter. So like living off the land is basically what that is. And there's a lot of a lot of ways you can live off the land with PowerShell. Yep. You can set up policies. You can view policies, which yep. might give you the attacker a little bit more of a roadmap of how they should navigate. If there's yep. certain things turned on or off that might give them some red flags and uh, kind of caution or uh, signs to proceed with their operation. Yep. Uh, what I look for when I'm on the pages like this, especially PowerShell, I spend a lot of time here, um, are which adversaries are using it. Yep. And that's only part of the equation. I think also understanding how the adversaries are using PowerShell. Is mm -hmm. it through macros? Is it through them dropping the PS1 file on right. disk? Mm -hmm. You know, how exactly are they doing it and what should your tools be protecting against based off of the vertical that the attacker is attacking? Yep, exactly. So looking at the verticals that the attackers are attacking, but then also looking at what you're collecting. So yes. if you need to you probably need to upgrade to PowerShell 5 at a minimum minimum. And then that gives you things like script block logging. So when something is blocked, you get a, a data point to, to sort of do your pivot for your investigation. Also transcription, because mm -hmm. obfuscation still gets captured in transcription. So if they're trying to try something funny, uh, some funny business to kind of get around your usual defenses, you can see that in transcription. Yeah. Let's let's go ahead and jump into one of these uh, baseball cards and talk through what we see, uh, what we look for as defenders, and maybe give some tips and tricks on just navigating this specific page a little bit better. Yeah, so this is a, a, a typical baseball card for what is this, APT-19, uh, allegedly a Chinese-based uh, threat group. Uh, I like to say allegedly because you just never know sometimes. Mm -hmm. I mean... There are firms that put a lot of effort. Uh, I mean, I used to work for FireEye. FireEye puts a lot of effort and puts a lot of time into attribution. So they, they try not to misspeak, but it's still mm -hmm. possible. Um, so, yeah, uh, if you go down, uh, I'm actually not super familiar with the associated group descriptions. Okay. Uh, I'm not exactly sure. Oh, I guess those are just other names. Other uh, names, yeah. I, I just never heard of those names. And this is where you get to the, the really specific uh point uh, for MITRE ATT&CK is the actual IDs and the, the techniques that are used. So uh, 
should we just go go ahead into how to operationalize some of this stuff? Yeah, let's okay. talk about that. Yeah, so uh, what I like to see organizations do with MITRE ATT&CK is using it for that touchstone. So if you have uh, an Intel function, uh, they are doing their research, and they let's say ABT19, uh, just for sake of yep. you know uh, examples, uh, let's say they're attacking somebody in your vertical, right? Let's say you are a telecommunications company, and so you're protecting telecoms. Uh, let's say they attack a telecommunications company that is sort of in your wheelhouse, but isn't uh, necessarily your organization. You're like, oh, so if they attack them, they, they might attack us as well. What you can do is you can actually go to these techniques used, and you can say, okay, they're using this tech ID, uh, they're doing this, they're doing this, doing this, and then you can feed that information to both your hunt team, and then you can also feed that to your security engineer slash architects, because then you can see what visibility you have to find that specific technique. Uh, you can also, if you don't have anything that's in your wheelhouse to, to already find it with your given conventional security appliances, then maybe your hunt team or other uh, security analysts can see if they can do some hunting around that stuff to see what they can find in the short term. Once you find that stuff via hunting, mm -hmm. maybe there's a way to automate it and actually turn it into a de detection for, for yourself. And so all, the, all along the way, you're using MITRE ATT&CK as like this touchstone. Like, okay, we're, we're looking at this, this, this technique. Mm -hmm. And so you can like overlay that. This is what this adversary does. And then this is what we're looking for uh, within our, our security stack. And just to kind of springboard off of those points that you just made, bringing things to your hunt team or yep. to your architecture team. So this is a great one. A great example is we all deal with phishing in some way or in one way or another. Right. Uh, we've built very weak perimeters. So yep. we get these attachments. They, they might have uh, certain artifacts and things, attributes about them, macros. Yep. Um, we need to start looking at things like this, spear phishing attachment and these other types of techniques getting a feel for what exactly that entails. So this example has, hey, one of the spear phishing techniques can be rich text. It can also be Excel spreadsheets. Yep. So kind of getting an idea of, hey, maybe I should be automating the extraction of artifacts out of rich text and yep. Excel. Yep. Especially if this threat actor has been seen in my environment, they might want to persist their access or regain a foothold, mm -hmm. knowing how and what makes you vulnerable and having some type of detection hopefully it's automated if yeah. not at least you can supply the hunters with that info yeah i mean detection and for analysis as well i mean there are companies out there that do basic uh, attachment analysis uh, mm -hmm. all the time and you can have that sitting at your email gateway so that every time you get an attachment it's getting analyzed at some level right huge Huge. Let's uh, go back to the matrix. Uh, we started talking about PowerShell. Uh, of course, the attackers, after they, if they have access to PowerShell, they're going to try to maybe persist their access, gain more privileges, mm -hmm. ultimately leading to getting information back to themselves. Yep. One of the areas that I spend a lot of time in is exfiltration. Yep. So Huge. There are so many types of data exfiltration that can happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I see very uh, successful 
is DNS exfiltration. Right. DNS is always going to be open. Yeah. You you might be successful with blocking web traffic over port 8443 just because this IP is in a web server, so it shouldn't be exactly doing so many communications with so many other IPs. But right. DNS, yeah. we don't have any records of which DNS servers are legitimate, yep. which ones are just there kind of serving as a DNS and a C2. Mm-hmm. It could be all the above. It could be. <laughs> I, I think that attack or the DNS exfil actually became popular about the same year. What was it? End of 2015, 2015. 2016? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Historians <laughs> over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's go to the records and yep. pull back. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, so here's some examples, right, of exfiltration this specific card in miter is automated exfil so there's been signs of a lot of automated exfil probably more previously over ftp a lot of the newer things are over dns and https but still great places to start and let's let's scroll down to these reports so the great thing about miter attack framework is that they also provide the references yeah why why this is in the list and what article what report gave us the indication about this specific attacker adversary or technique in uh this page so you spend a lot of time with uh you know dissecting reports yep uh, we had a great challenge that you gave how could you go from building a 500 word report right yep. mm-hmm. to 250 to yeah. 100 to 100 uh, what are some things that uh, let's talk about these reports and dissect them a bit? We don't have to go too deep into the weeds. Yeah, no, I mean, first you got to figure out where you're getting your information from, right? Is it a reputable uh, company that's putting this out? Is it is it a security researcher that you've been following for a long time that mm-hmm. really does their due diligence to, to make sure that what they're saying is, is accurate? Uh, sometimes you get organizations that fly off the handle and they say, this is what's going on, and, and everybody needs to panic. Yep. Uh, I, I won't go into specifics because uh, I don't want to get sued uh, since we're doing this for fun, but there have been companies that have, have said really, really outlandish things and caused serious damage to uh, other organizations' uh, reputation because even if found to be false later, I mean, they're, they're still like having to live through that, 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 that stigma, mm-hmm. even though it was found to be untrue. So, uh, yeah, first thing is, is know where you're getting your data from. Uh, also is what information is most useful to your organization. So are you looking for, are you just at the indicator level? Are you just looking for IOCs at this point? You know, are you going to rip out IOCs from here, do a little double checking, and then upload it to like, like a SIM, like, you know, send it to Splunk? Mm-hmm. Are you going to put it on your firewall? Maybe. Are you actually doing something a little extra, which is what, MITRE ATT&CK I think is great for, and you're actually looking at TTPs, and are you going to share these TTPs not only with your internal security team, but then also to other people. So uh, looking for the the how is, is like really important. The who, sure, it might help, uh, but I think people get hung up on the who too much, like mm-hmm. who's doing this to us. I think it's the how is the most important because if you can close that gap, it doesn't matter who it is. It could be anybody. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, those are the things that I really look for when I look at reports. Amazing. 
one of the things that I see kind of after the fact, you know, you just talked about looking in the report. After we look through the reports, something that I notice is we do a great job at finding the artifacts in our environment after we have the indicators, whatever they may be, maybe they're signatures, maybe they're just file hashes, whatever. But one of the things that I've been seeing that's most successful is finding what created that vulnerability. Right. Was it an untrained engineer? Yeah. Was it a very buggy application that you've onboarded that you might want to consider getting out of your network? Right. Or maybe it's just uh, overall user training. Yeah. There's always opportunities to train the entire organization or enterprise. Yep. Uh, if some type of infection breaks out due to a simple mistake. Yep, back to the basics. Back to the <laughs> basics. Yeah, so let's go ahead and take a look at the evals. Yep. So this is a fairly new thing. Yep. Um, I wasn't exposed to this for too long, so I'm not sure how old this is exactly. Uh, I think it's like barely a year old, if that. If that. Might be a little bit younger. Um, they might have been working on it for a little lo while longer mm -hmm. than that, but it, it, it really didn't come to the forefront until about a year ago. And there's a note here that says, you know, the call for participation closes soon. So that gives us a feel that this might not be that old of a process or project that they've been working on. Right. So when we scroll down, we see some interesting things like the vendors that are participating in the MITRE attack evaluation. Right. I, I think this speaks volumes to the vendors that actually wanted to participate in this. I think as long as you're a vendor that could sort of walk the walk and talk the talk all at the same time, I, I think this is great. But if you're one of those vendors that's like all smoke and mirrors, you're about to get found out hard. Seriously. Let's take a look at, uh, for instance, uh, Palo Alto. I, I saw online today that they just released... Uh, their MITRE attack, and they covered the majority. It's still a huge gap yeah. that all the companies that have been evaluated are missing, but we're all headed towards the right direction, which is pretty exciting. So let's, so this just came out today? This just came out today. Okay, excellent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And let's take a look at one of the ones we were looking at. Maybe they have PowerShell, which they nice. do. Here we go. Let's jump into it. So one of the cool things about uh, MITRE ATT&CK and this new ev eval uh, capability is we can see exactly how said product uh, can detect this, this threat or this part of the framework. Right. So let's click on, I think it's one of these links, this blue link on the screenshot. It will give us a screenshot as to how exactly uh, this is Palo Alto, an, ex an example of XDR, Cortex. Mm -hmm. But there's other ones like CrowdStrike uh, and uh, a bunch of others, Carbon Black, so on and so forth. But they give you screenshots, which, which is really amazing, as to, one, a snapshot of the tool, and two, how that tool would bring it to surface for you. Right. If you have, maybe you're a Splunk shop, maybe you're using some type of other sim, maybe some of these tools aren't right for you because yeah. they don't export or integrate with those tools the best. Yep. So this is really amazing because I, I know as a practitioner, as an architect, what my hunters, what my defense team, what my red team should expect yep. from the alerts that they either look at or generate. Yeah, so, I mean, I think this is fantastic, but this is just me playing, like, devil's advocate. Does this tip off the attacker on what, applications can do what 
right? So if they say, oh, they're using Palo Alto, cool. I know exactly what they <laughs> they, they can catch and yep. what they can't catch. I mean, do you, what do you think? Do you think that tips off the attacker or any? I would hope that the attacker is using this. Attackers, red team, whoever has access to uh, offensive tools, I hope that they're using this to not burn their access. Uh, we'll be very short-sighted. I know uh, as atta- the attackers, they're looking at the – uh, the marketing collateral that the company is already talking about anyways. Yeah. Like, hey, yeah, you yeah, right. have the ability right. to detect this. That's a good point. So I think that this is this is an addition to marketing collateral. If the attackers aren't already using it, shame on them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. I didn't even think about that. Mm-hmm. We should uh, look at this as kind of a roadmap for an attacker, but also a roadmap for, I think, education and a roadmap for knowing where you might want to invest your interests. Yep. This is, in my opinion, is going to help defenders way more than it can ever help an attacker. I agree. We, as defenders, if you're new to the, if you're new to, to uh, InfoSec, you don't even know where to start. Yep. It's like, I know that there's phishing. I know that there's remote execution, but what are all of the different flavors and variants that i'm going to see these techniques yep and you just got to be a harder target than the the person next door (laughs) (laughs) very true yeah very true well we got some other cool stuff that we're going to be doing with miter attack framework and talking about more of application and tutorials and whatnot so yeah we'll dive a little deeper because i mean miter attack has so many applications I, i don't even know where to start but i think this is a great overview for folks that might not know what Miter Attack is or haven't uh, been able to operationalize it yet, uh, but just to give them some ideas of what they can do with it. Yeah, huge. Awesome. Well, let's uh, see what we produce next time. That's it, y'all. Take it easy. Take it easy.